This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo, and Sam Dykstra on today's edition of the Pipeline Podcast, a special treat for you. We, uh, well, so to start, we were going, I mentioned last week, we talked about uh, Jonathan uh, being a member of the, let me get this right, Jonathan, Southwest Pennsylvania Jewish Sports Hall of Fame, is that correct? You nailed it. Good. Contractually okay. obligated to now mention this in every That's right. episode. We talked about that. Uh, the context of that was that we were hoping to have a Hall of Famer on this week. Uh, remember the Baseball Hall of Fame, um, National Baseball Hall of Fame. And we had that lined up, fell through at the last second, but swooping in to save the day is Sam Dykstra. And uh, we brought him in. Is Sam um, a Hall of Famer? Do we know? Sam, are you a member of any Hall of Fame? I am not member a member of any Halls of Fame that I'm aware, but I will yeah. give you a small uh, nugget that my first AOL screen name was Hall of Famer 023. <laughs> there we go. So there you go. What what was the 023? Uh, like so many kids in the 90s. It was Michael, Jordan. Jordan. Michael Jordan. Yeah. Hall of Famer 23 was taken. Uh, so I stuck on a zero there. See, I thought you were going... Don Mattingly. This well, we are baseball people, yeah, um, but not a New England kid. I couldn't do Don Mattingly. That's fair. So we, we brought Sam in because we are going to uh, today conduct a draft. Uh, we've we've yet to come up with a pithy name for this draft, um, but the basic idea is uh, Jim, Jonathan, and Sam will be drafting a prospect team, a catcher, first base, second base, third base, outfield, three outfielders, uh, a right-handed pitcher, left-handed pitcher, anyone who we expect to arrive in the big leagues after the 2022 season. Uh, so basically drafting a prospect team of the future. Um, so we've we brought in Sam. We're going to have a uh, 10 round draft where they each draft one player per position. And we will do that, uh, as we get into the show a little bit further, but, uh, we brought Sam in to help us with that. We're also going to take a look ahead. This kind of ties in, uh, Jim's working on a story projecting the top 10 prospects in all of baseball one year from now. Uh, we of course are busy working on the top 100 prospects list for 2022 and the team top 30 prospect lists. Um, but in addition to doing that, we're going to peer into the future a little bit further. And this actually, we had a question last week on the podcast. Uh, someone asked about the top three 
overall prospects in both 2023 and 2024. Jim and Jonathan answered that question last last week, so that'll certainly come into play here. And uh, we'll wrap up the show by answering a question or two from the mailbag, as we always do. Last week was all mailbag all the time. That was fun. And uh, again, we appreciate everyone's questions, and we will uh, answer, answer another one or two at the end of this episode. All right, uh, let's start by looking ahead to the very best prospects of 2023. So a year from now, when you guys are diligently uh, talking to uh, folks around the industry and talking to each other and formulating the top 100 prospects list, who do you project will be those top in those top 10 prospects? I don't think we're going to try to nail down the exact order right here and right now. Um, but to start us off, and I guess we don't have to hold you guys to this, but last week uh, you were asked for the top 10, uh, top three rather, in 2023 and 24. Jim and Jonathan, you both had very similar top three. Uh, Anthony Volpe, Yankees shortstop prospect, Francisco Alvarez, Mets catching prospect, you both had one and two. And then Jim was torn between Noel V. Marte and Marco Luciano, went with Luciano, and Jonathan had Marte as his number three. So I think that's a fair starting point, Jim. Yeah, and, you know, I I don't know how many years in a row I've done this story, um, but we we went back and looked. When I first started doing this story, I, I looked at where the guys came from, and, and, and typically anybody who's in the current top ten at the end of the year who doesn't graduate is going to be on the list. And that's, you know, it, it's our old list right now. And that would be, you know, Marco Luciano's on there. Marcelo Meyer's on there. Um, Alvarez is on there. CJ Abrams, we can debate whether he graduates or not this year after being hurt last year. And then most of the rest of the players come from the 11 to 25 range. And then generally there's one or two who come from the 26 to 50 range. And then, kind of 50-50 whether you have somebody come from the bottom half of the previous end of season list or the draft you know like like guys like it could be like a Nick Gonzalez or a Luis Matos type um, but that's essentially where they come from the, the vast majority of them will be ranked in the top 25 of our, our end of 2021 list yeah I think that's fair I think we should get Sam's take. I mean, we, we picked our three, um, you know, in term, and I think, you know, we only picked four players total. So I, you know, I think all four of those guys end up in, in the top 10. Uh, if I'm, if I'm going to guess, uh, you know, unless something goes horribly awry, but Sam, any outliers, you got any more candidates? Um, no, I mean, what, Jim laid out there, I think is pretty good. Uh, last time I think I was on the show, I, I kind of pipped Luis Matos as being somebody who could make a pretty sincere jump this year. Not that I would necessarily put him there now, but he's definitely a candidate to do that. Um, I don't want to get too much into Alvarez <laughs> versus uh, Volpe right now as the person who, spoiler alert, holds the number one overall pick, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But I do think that's the kind of the competition right now is, is between those two New York guys. Uh, and who can claim number one overall next year because they're both up the middle talents. Um, they're both incredibly good offensively 
defensively a little bit more questions, but um, I think the bats are just going to be too good and, and they'll be hitting the upper minors next year, which I think is another pretty big caveat to this discussion. If you want to break down all the positions real quick, Sam, feel free. We'll, we'll take a couple minutes if you want to lay out who you like at each position. Yeah, did you guys get your coffee this morning? Do you want to, you want me to vamp for 10 minutes while you guys go get caffeinated? I'll take notes and then I'll know who, you know, you can just fill out my entire draft card. Yeah, so this, uh, you know, you'll be taking posi- position scarcity into uh, account for the draft here in a few minutes, but... Uh, you don't looking... have to. If, if they don't want to, they don't have to. Well, sure. Well, yeah. uh, so... Jim, going through those categories, any uh, anyone on the current top ten who doesn't graduate, uh, that accounts for uh, Luciano, Mayer, and Alvarez, and then and maybe com- C.J. Abrams, like depending on when you think he graduates. R- right, right. Uh, but of the of the three uh, of your top three, each of your top three, and then most of the rest said come from the eleven through twenty five range. Uh, a couple from 26 through 50 and maybe one from 51 through 100. Uh, anyone from those categories, uh, maybe a guy each from, from those categories who could end up in in the top 10 in 2023? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Volpe's a slam dunk. I mean, our end of season list, he's in the 11 to 25 range. You know, spoiler alert, he'll be in the top 10 of our, our 2022 list. So I think he's the most obvious one in that 11 to 25 range. I, I kind of like Diego Cartaya of the Dodgers in that 26 to 50 range as a, you know, he, he was having a tremendous year. He didn't play a lot. He got hurt um, last year, but very young and was tearing up low a. And then, you know, I mentioned in that 51 to hundred range, you know, Nick Gonzalez released Matos. I, I don't know. I mean, there's, I, we, we've talked about, we like the draft. Um, it's strong draft, but I don't think necessarily that Drew Jones or Termar Johnson, who are our top two ranked players going into the 2022 draft season, would necessarily rank in the top 10. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it'll 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 be interesting to see. I, I you know I think we'll see. It seems like it'll be heavily shortstop dominated. The the big question is, uh, you know, one of the big questions is there going to be a pitcher in the top 10? Um, I feel like Jack Leiter is is the most obvious candidate. You know, right now we have one pitcher in the top 10 of our end of season 2021 list. But, you know, and Jack Leiter has yet to throw a professional pitch. Obviously, he was very good at Vanderbilt last year. But he's, I think, by far the strongest pitching candidate. I'm just looking at our current list. The next highest ranked pitcher on the end of 2021 list who does not have a 2022 ETA is Jackson Job all the way down at number 46. So, and I think Job has a shot. I mean, he was pretty spectacular last year in high school. Um, I think it'd be a little stretch maybe from jumping to the top 10, but, but he does have that kind of upside. You know, it might, it might take him a little bit longer than that. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we will explain a little more precisely what this draft is, and we will do this draft. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll come back and do that right after this on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo, Sam Dykstra, and we are ready for our 2023 prospect draft. I'll call it that for now. Uh, so the idea is that, again, we're drafting uh, one player from each position, catcher, each infield position, three outfielders, a right-handed pitcher, and a left-handed pitcher for a total uh, of 10. Jim, uh, there was a uh, random order, a randomization of the order, and Jim received the number one overall pick. Jonathan was number two. Sam was number three. But we've had a trade. Uh, you are allowed to trade draft picks in this draft. Jim traded the number one overall pick and his fourth round pick. No, no, no. No. And my that... ninth round pick. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and his ninth round pick, his first pick of the ninth round, to Sam, who got uh, the number one overall pick, Jim's ninth rounder. He gave up his first round pick, which was three overall, and his fourth round pick. So uh, Sam will be picking first. Uh, again, the draft pool here is basically anyone who's on a team top 30 prospects list with an ETA in the major leagues of 2023 and beyond. Also, anyone in the 2022 draft class in our top 100 draft prospects list and anyone in the 2022 international signing uh, period that is on our top 50 uh, international prospects list. So uh, what is that, guys? Does, how, many, how many players are in the pool? Six I, or 700. Now, I guess a, a question that we talked about and I don't know if we came to a conclusion here. Are you allowed to go off the board? Sure, if you want. I don't plan on it. I don't it. know who, how, why <laughs> you would necessarily, but... If anybody wants to, you're, you're welcome to do it. Uh, I don't know if but... Jonathan's going to throw a, a wild card in there and draft his son. Uh, he is draft eligible. Maybe if he plays first base in the final round, maybe. Yeah, well, that would be something. I mean, Jim has Mr. Irrelevant insofar as a number 30 overall pick can be Mr. Irrelevant in this draft. So if he wanted to get creative last, he can go right on ahead and do that. Yeah, we have 690 players uh, in the in the draft pool uh, if you don't go off the board. So let's go ahead and get this thing started. And Sam will start us off with the number one overall pick. Yeah, so uh, when we were slacking about this earlier, uh, Jim had the number one overall pick and said, I, I don't know what to do here. 
Uh, and I saw my opportunity to swoop and, and get somebody up the middle who I think, uh, you know, can be the cornerstone of my franchise. And that is Anthony Volpe, uh, shortstop of the New York Yankees. Obviously, our, our breakout prospect of the year last year uh, are also our MLB pipeline offensive prospect of the year uh, last year with the way he broke out at low A and high A uh, 2019 first rounder plus hit tool plus power more power than any of us were expecting he's an extra uh, base hit machine right now Uh, I think he's better defensively at shortstop than a lot of people seem to give him credit for he makes all the plays there if he has to move over to second sure he can be an even better glove there but getting somebody up the middle here with my first pick and somebody who you know we were talking about just last segment and somebody you guys were talking about last week as a potential number one overall prospect uh, just a year from now, Volpe was too good to pass up. So um, shortstop's a, a premium position. Getting the best one off the board for me at number one overall was was pretty easy. So Anthony Volpe, shortstop, New York Yankees, number one overall picked in this prospect draft. All right. Jonathan, you are on the clock at number two. And before you make your pick, a quick question for you. Would you have taken Volpe at one? one? No. Interesting. So you, you got your guy here. Yes. He made it easy for me. In fact, had he taken my guy, I, I would have had to make a decision. I probably would have gone Volpe too, although I would have thought about it just because I think that there's a little more little more depth uh, at shortstop. And, you know, you, you mentioned position scarcity. And while Jim was sort of poo-pooing the idea of taking that into account, um, I'll you know, I would argue that by not taking it into account, you actually are taking it into account. But that's not. I think he was trying to trick you. Into I was trying to trick you. That was like a like a like an existential yeah. drafting uh, statement there. So I am going to also stay up the middle at a premium position and take Francisco Alvarez, the young catcher for uh, the New York Mets. Probably not any surprise there once Sam took Volpe and uh, you know what um, what Alvarez was able to do. Uh, as a teenager last year, 24 homers. Um, you know, the power is ridiculous. He can really, really hit. Uh, and he's going to stick behind the plate. You know, there's things for him to work on defensively, but I don't think that there's going to be any need or reason to, to move him, um, especially with that plus arm. So uh, I'm happy to get his, his offensive potential uh, here at number two overall. All right. New York, New York picks one and two. Um, so Jim, you didn't, you didn't know what to do with the number one overall pick. What, what were you considering there? Well, it wasn't so much. That I didn't know what to do. And it was funny. I wasn't, when I said that, I wasn't necessarily looking to trade the pick. You froze. No, it's just, <laughs> I, I think Volpe and Alvarez are the two best players on the board. I don't think there's a big difference between Volpe and whoever the third shortstop's going to be taken. I mean, you're looking Volpe, Novi Marte, Marco Luciano, Marcelo Meyer. And, and, and so I was, I, I don't know that, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know who I would have taken number one. Um, but the same thing, a catcher. I like Alvarez. I like the other, there's some other really good catchers out there. We were talking on last week's podcast about how strong this catching crop is. So I, it was, I was just torn in that the guys who I think are the best relative values at their position aren't necessarily guys that you want to take that, like at the top of the draft. So it's, and it's funny. I, I think there's other 
right-handed pitchers out there um, who I like. Like, there's four or five of them. But I, I will go Jack Leiter here with, with this third pick. Um, I think he's the one – you know, we just talked about he might be the one pitcher who has a chance to be in the top ten a year from now. I, I, I just think his combination – of stuff. His fastball can be really unhittable. His curveball it can be outstanding at times too. I think he's going to throw more strikes. I think he's got competitiveness and savvy on the mound. Um, you know, with any pitcher you, you, you worry about health, but I will, I will go with Jack Leiter, but it, it's going to be an interesting draft because at a lot of these positions, I just think the talent is really bunched up. All right. So we have our first player taken who has yet to play a professional inning um all right and well we would have we would have been going uh oh we should we should mention snake draft right serpentine yes serpentine uh so we, we would have had back-to-back picks here uh, but with the trade we have sam up with the first pick of the second round well i'm just gonna say what my strategy is here up front it, it's to take the best player available so i understand that there is going to be some scarcity um, lower on the list, and, and again, that 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 change between Volpe at shortstop and, and some of the other names on the list might not be huge, but I just I, I didn't want to pass up who I thought was the best player in this draft, and I'm going to keep that going here because I don't have another pick for a while after um, giving up. I, I have it at the bottom of the third, but then I lose my next one right after that to Jim, um, so it's going to be a while for me, and I need to go upside here. So continuing on with Jim's theme of taking guys who have yet to see a professional at bat or a professional pitch, I'm going Drew Jones, uh, the number one overall prospect right now in the 2022 draft rankings. That could change in a couple months. We're just getting into the spring season. Who knows if some of these other guys could pass him. But again, sticking with somebody up the middle, somebody who's going to stay up the middle, uh, an elite fielder, much like his father, uh, the hit tool you guys graded out at 55, the power's at 60, the run's at 70. Put him at the top of the lineup, put him maybe at three, wherever we want to stick him there. I, Drew Jones has the leadoff guy, Anthony Volpe, at number two. My lineup's already filling up really well, and I think defensively we're going to be solid as well. So I know he hasn't played yet. I know there's all the potential that he could get hurt in, in the spring as a high schooler or you know his stock could slip a bit, but – I just think the defensive tools give him a high floor for for a prep pick like this, and I believe in the bat. So Drew Jones uh, slotting in here is the first draft guy off the board. I like that pick. All right. Wow. But yeah, I, I was going to ask if either you were surprised by that, and I will take Jonathan's wow as a yes. I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I'm a little surprised. Uh, I mean, not shocked that he, he's obviously incredibly talented, but again, you know, because I think there are a lot of good outfielders, but I, I like, you know, Sam taking who he thinks is the best guy. That's what you should do, you know, or, or you know, in, in a draft to take the best player. But uh, um, should I just keep going? You should quit, quit stalling. Make your, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not stalling at all. Um, you know, because I'm uh, actually going to sort of follow suit and also go off the 2022 draft board, but I'm looking at position scarcity. So I'm going to take Tamar Johnson as my second baseman, because I do think uh, that compared to the other second baseman, uh, there is going to be a huge gap. I, I think when all is said and done, Tamar Johnson is going to get our third 80 hit grade um, once he enters pro ball. Now, could there be someone else who ends up with an 80 hit grade? Maybe, but uh, we've had two so far. 
he he is one of the best amateur hitters I think that we've seen in a very very long time. He's going to play a good second base. He's not that big. People may go and look at video and be like, "Wait, I don't get it." But just watch him hit. Um, there's going to be plenty of thump from the left side of the plate. Uh, he can drive the ball. Uh, you know, we saw him hitting balls into the upper deck in the home run derby during the high school, you know, all American game in in Denver. But he's also content to to drive the ball the other way and, and get his base hits and with a really good approach. Uh, so I am very happy to 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 get him as I am going full on position scarcity here. Yeah, interesting that uh, in the prior segment when we were talking about who would be the top 10 overall prospects in 2023. And Jim, you said that maybe, you know, the big question is whether there will be any pitchers, maybe lighter gets in there and he goes number three here. And then I think you also said that uh, you didn't see any of the 2022 draftees making it into the top 10 that soon. And now we have two of them off the board in the top five picks. And now Jim is up with back-to-back picks at number six and seven overall. I thought about Tremar with my first pick at three. I was hoping he might've lasted another pick or so. Um, and I, it's funny. I would have considered him with the number one overall pick because of the position scarcity. Um, that said, um, there were two second basemen I liked, and I'm going to take the second one here. Again, I'm 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 going. I'm I'm trying to build the team, and I don't want to get stuck at a position. I, I think some of these positions are pretty close. I'm going to take Nick York of the Red Sox at number uh, with my second pick. I guess six overall here. Um, you know, surprise first round pick in 2020 was slow start to his pro career in his first month last year. And then he really took off. I think this guy's a chance to be an elite hitter. Um, I think he's going to move really quick. He was a little quicker than I realized from talking to scouts, a little bit better defensively. I think he's going to have at least 20 homer power. Um, so, so Jonathan forced my hand there a little bit. Um, I knew I was going to take a second baseman with one of these picks. And, uh, and so I'm taking Nick York. Uh, I like him. And now I'm, it's funny because I, I do think, and this is the reason I said I didn't know what I wanted to do at number one. Um, in retrospect, I almost wish I had taken Tamar Johnson instead of Jack Leiter and waited on the right-handed pitchers, but that's fine. But I do think the guy who has the most value relative to the other players at his position who will get drafted and I was like, I can't take this guy number one. I will take him here at number seven, especially because I have an extra pick in the fourth round, is Dustin Harris of the Rangers. I, I think he's far and away the best first baseman available in this draft. He's a guy who kind of flew under the radar, hit really well in junior college, was an 11th round pick by the A's in 2019. He was a player to be named in the Mike Minor trade a year later. And in his first season in the Rangers system, Hit 327, 943 ops, 20 homers, 25 steals. Really good feel for the barrel. Controls the strike zone. He's starting to drive the ball in the air more, so I think there's going to be more power that comes. He could be plus hit, plus power when all is said and done. And, you know, first baseman is his primary position, but he's played third. He's athletic enough to play the outfield corners. Um, so he's got more defensive value than your typical first baseman, or at least more versatility. So I'm going to take Dustin Harris here. And like I said, I did not have the guts to take him number one overall, but I do think relative to the other first baseman available, because almost all of our top first base prospects are 2022 ETAs. I think he's got the most positional value of anybody in the draft. Is anybody surprised I took him this early? Yes. Yeah. You, uh, 
Jim, you kind of tipped us off a little bit yesterday when we were chatting about this, and you, I think you, uh, you put out there that you were going to take him one-one, and I think maybe thinking that everyone would assume that was a joke. Did so I say that? I didn't even remember. I tipped my hand. I, I think you did. <laughs> well, that's funny because <laughs> I would usually avoid tipping my hand in a draft, so that's crazy. You planted a seed with yourself, like you weren't sure, and then you you were like, well, actually, I like the I like the sound of that. Oh, it was after Johnson said the first baseman options are no good, and and I said that. But yeah, when I when I did my my quick uh, put my board together quickly this morning, the the first base options fall after me. Like I think Dustin Harris is a borderline top one hundred guy right now, and I think he will be in the top one hundred uh, this season. Um, and, and I really love the bat, but yeah, it's it, that, that's this draft is. In, it'll be curious to see how the teams end up. I, I'm a, I'm a little stung. I, I was hoping for Termar, but I, I do like Nick York. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how this works. Because again, I think in a lot of these positions, the guys are bunched together, pretty much. Okay, Jonathan, your third round pick. I'm trying to think, you know, do I do I veer from position scarcity? I, I think there's not as much scarcity, and uh, you know, obviously, Jim mentioned my comments about first baseman, so I, that that's probably going to be my my last pick there. Um, I think you should go with Kenzie Noel right here, so Sam doesn't get it. I'm good. Um, I, you know, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the outfield here, and I'm gonna pick a guy who I said was going to be a top three prospect in 2024 on last week's podcast. And I'm going to take Zach Veen of the Colorado Rockies. Uh, you know, he had a, a, an unbelievably strong first full season, uh, hit really well. The power is starting to show up. I think he's just scratching the surface there. Uh, you, you know, in digging in when we were working on our top 100 for this year, I'm getting a, a lot more Christian Yelich comps. Uh, he probably moves to a corner when all is said and done, but he runs well. So he's an athletic right fielder uh, who's going to hit for a high average with a, a ton of power. All right. We've got a uh, an outfielder off the board, a couple outfielders, a couple second basemen, first baseman, a right-handed pitcher, and a shortstop. And Sam, your, uh, your one pick out of what this is uh, one pick and about out of about 10 picks here for you so uh make it count yeah that, that, again that's kind of my issue with with trading up for one one is now this is i have the pick at number nine my next one isn't until number 15 so again i feel like i need to kind of swing for the fences and i don't think there's positional scarcity in outfield as jonathan just you know kind of alluded to there been taking zach bean who i like a lot um, but I'm going to take the outfielder who was actually ahead of Veen on my board, and that's Corbin Carroll uh, of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yes, he's coming off uh, season-ending shoulder surgery that ended his 2021 season very early last year in May. Um, some of the reports that we got off of him in that brief span and going back to what it, his 2020 was after he was the 16th overall pick in, in 2019 is that you know he is a top 20 prospect right now. That's where we have him ranked. Uh, at the end of 2021, we have him at number 20. He's going to probably still be around that range just because he hasn't done anything else to prove it. But um, I think the the power is going to be there a little bit more than what we saw in him as a prep player. I think that's coming along really well. I think he's going to be a plus hitter, plus plus run tool, another guy right next to Drew Jones. If we wanted to play a two outfielder defense, I think this is the one we could potentially do it with. 
uh, maybe some questions on Carol's arm coming off the shoulder, but uh, I, I just think the ceiling is too high here. And, and since I'm not picking it again for a while, uh, getting Corbin Carroll, adding him to this lineup mix with Volpe and, and Jones, I think that's a solid core three to build around. All right. You each have three players in your lineup now, and Jim now has three of the next four picks acquired this one from Sam in the pre-draft trade. So we go Jim, Jonathan, Jim, Jim, and uh, Jim, the first pick of the fourth round. I'm going to continue the run on outfielders um, and take Robert Hassel uh, of the Padres. I I guess I'm building a team around pure hitters. Um, I do think he's going to get to average power. I think he's got a chance to stay in center field. Um, You know, he has a chance. I don't think it's going to be five plus tools across the board, but I think it could be five average to solid the plus tools across the board when all is said and done chance to stay in center field. And I, and I do think there is, I mean, there's plenty of outfield candidates, but you have to draft three of them. So there is a little bit of position scarcity. And this is uh, I, I would have considered either Veen or Carroll. I, I would have taken either one of those guys had they gotten to this pick, but I will, I will happily settle for Robert Hassel. Okay. Jonathan, your fourth round pick. I feel like we should just let Jim take like four in a row. Um, you can trade me the pick. No, I'm not, not, not going to trade the pick. Uh, not going to trade the pick at this point. Uh, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm sort of looking back at looking at a little scarcity uh, again. And while there are some other options, I think I'm going to go the third base route and take Jordan Walker uh, of the St. Louis Cardinals. Um you know, whether he plays third base, we'll, we'll wait and see. But uh, uh, that's neither here nor there. I just think the offensive upside, the huge power potential, um, y- you know, the I have ultimate faith in the Cardinals' ability to develop hitters. So uh, Jordan Walker is my guy at the hot corner. All right, Jim, back-to-back picks. Last pick of the fourth round, first pick of the fifth. Yeah, it's 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 weird because I'm drafting my I'm drafting my players all out of order. I think in terms of, of how good they are. Um, you know, looking here at outfield, it's like I, I think I'm, I might go back to back outfielders here. And the problem is, I like a bunch of them about the same, and I have different uh, scenarios uh, running through my head here. Let's go. I'm going to take George Valera. Uh, of the Indians. Uh, you know, this is a guy who is one of the best hitters in his international class. Um, his full season debut was delayed by he had injury at the start of his career. And then we had the pandemic, you know, finally got a chance to play full season ball this year, got all the way to double a, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to be a guy who hits for average hits for power, average tools, otherwise across the board. So I will go with George Valera here. Jim, did you did you just say Indians again? I do. It's like you you know I'm going to do this for kangaroo this court. So it's uh, twenty five thousand dollars fine. Uh, I'm going to go jar like a curse jar, but yeah, for this. Um, you know, I I do think he's maybe a little bit riskier pick than some of the other outfielders, and then I, I'm just going to go. Uh, I'm torn. I wish I could play four man outfield. Maybe Sam can play two, and I'll play I'll play four. Torn here, uh, maybe I'll let that. Wait, wait, you know what? I'm not going to go outfield here. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to cross, switch this up, and I am going to go. 
Uh, like the thing is, I don't feel I don't feel like I have to take anybody here because I have I have backup options at every position. So Do you hold have a on. buzzer sound effect. I know, I know, this is terrible. Um, well, I guess I should just take the best. You know, you know what? I, I'm going to go left-handed pitcher here, and, and I think there's some good left-handed pitcher options here. But I'm going to take Kyle Harrison. I, I like Kyle Harrison in high school. He was the best healthy high school lefty in the 2020 draft. He was, you know, very known more for his polish than his stuff. And then his stuff has kicked up since he signed. I mean, he's mid nineties to 98. His breaking pitch, you know, his slider has more power. He's got feel for changeup. You know, he's still learning how to harness his stuff, you know, his, his, his new stuff, but he, he just turned 20 at the end of last season. So there's time for that. I think he's going to be a pretty good combination of stuff and polish when all is sudden done. So I will, I will cross myself up and go Kyle Harrison here. All right. Uh, Number what ninety nine on the uh, existing twenty twenty one mid season top one hundred prospects list. So well on down the board in terms of that ranking anyway. And Jim has his pitching rotation squared away with Jack Leiter from the right side and Kyle Harrison from the left side. And Jonathan, you are up with your fifth round pick. I like how this is unfolding so far. Um, I'm pleased with what I got so far, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to fill out my middle infielder by taking the, the shortstop uh, that I want, um, probably leaving Jim with the one he'd want to take anyway, in all likelihood. Uh, so I'm going to take Noel V. Marte uh, of the Seattle Mariners, uh, you know, big international signing back in, in 2018, can really, really hit, ton of power, uh, you know, he does have a good approach, but he can get out of it. He's, you know, still super young. He's going to be 20 for all of this year. Whether he plays shortstop forever, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But there, there are no plans to move him from from the position right now. He does have a plus arm and, and good hands. He, he just may get a little too big and have to slide over to third. Um, but, uh, you know, for right now, I'm excited to have that uh, that kind of power potential at a premium position. All right, and I, I believe that means that one of the two highest-ranked available players will not be taken. As uh, the, the top two ranked available players, uh, both shortstops, neither taken so far, Marco Luciano and Marcelo Meyer. And, and, and right. I think you can predict that one of those guys will be Mr. Irrelevant. Right. That's uh, what I was going to say. Jim now can wait. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know which one I want. I'm, I'm going back and forth. So I will, I will <laughs> ruminate on that for a while. The high, potentially the highest ranked available player being Mr. Irrelevant. It, it will draft. be the highest ranked player on my team will be my last pick. All right. Uh, Sam, back to back picks for you. Time to make up a little ground. Number 15 and 16 overall. Yeah. So uh, looking at here. You know where where I kind of have holes so far. I've I've got guys up the middle. Um, I've got two outfielders. I've got some speed. I feel like I need a thumper, uh, and I was really hoping Jordan Walker was going to drop to me uh, at, to be that thumper as a third baseman. But uh, I'm going to go to the next best option at that position, which is Brett Beatty um, of the New York Mets. Actually, no, he's 2022, isn't he? Why I was going to say I didn't have him on my radar. Yeah, no, that's my that's my bad. All right, I'll, sorry about that. I'm trying to flout the system here. I was I, like, wait a minute. I was like, you said that. And I was like, uh oh, I, I didn't have Brett Beatty on my radar. What have I done? 
I'll, t- I'll take my lumps. All right, so I'll, I'll pivot. I will pivot there. Uh, that is my fault. Uh, but I, I will go to catcher then instead, uh, and I'm going to go to Henry Davis. Um, it's funny that the first overall pick uh, in last year's draft drafts all, uh, falls all the way to us here. Uh, obviously, this is a different system than that, but the guy ended last year as the number 22 overall prospect in baseball. Uh, a little bit of time in the Pirates system. Really think he can hit, has a rail gun, rail gun of an arm, uh, 70 grade right now. Is he going to be a catcher full-time? We'll have to see. Um, but I feel like I have defense kind of covered in other areas. Um, so the the fielding tool is not as much of a concern for me, but Henry Davis could easily be my three, four, five hitter, put him right in the middle of that lineup, give, give us some right-handed thump, um, 25, 30 homers at a good position of catcher where that's not always a guarantee. So uh, Henry Davis then will be this pick here, um, putting him in at catcher. My next pick after this, oh, man, I'm, I will – I should have, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go back to third base then. And this is, this is another <laughs> take Beatty again. Yeah. I'm going to take Beatty again. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Bryant. Pretend like that didn't happen. And I'm going to try this a second time. No. Water uh, Franco. Uh, <laughs> his brother, not, not the, the Ray shortstop, but the guy who used to play in the giant system. Uh, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go for upside again here. And this guy, Jonathan and I were actually talking about him this morning as somebody who might eventually be eligible for shortstop or, you know, who knows, maybe even center field someday. He's just so toolsy. And that's Ellie De La Cruz of the yeah. Cincinnati Reds system. Um, again, this is a little bit of a reach, but his ceiling is as any as good as almost anybody on this board. Uh, he just hasn't had that same long runway as some of these other prospects. But, uh, you know, in, in writing up some a little bit about third base prospects lately, his tools were some of the best of that group. Uh, who is he going to be as he continues to gain experience? We're at, we'll have to see. But there's a lot of rocket fuel attached to his name right now and uh you know he, he could flame out it might not totally work out as he gains experience and he uh gets figured out by professional pitchers but wouldn't be surprised at all if he's in a top 25 top 15 discussion at the end of the year all right our first player taken outside of either the top 100 uh overall prospects in baseball or uh, the draft well dustin harris what about my dustin harris pick Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Second Come one. Come on. I want credit for my destiny. Yeah. But that was such a forgettable pick, I think. That's why. All right. Uh, Jonathan, your sixth round pick. You know, it's interesting. We've had one, two, three, four, five outfielders taken so far. And uh, none of them are Jason Dominguez. So I'm going to take Jason Dominguez. And I know, you know, that like... It's funny for a guy that young and that toolsy to say, like, the star has faded. I think people expected him to, like, come into pro ball and, you know, just set the world on fire. Um, He's still super young, has a ridiculous amount of ability. Uh, You know, does he slow down and move to a corner? I don't I don't really care. Um, I'll I'll play three corner outfielders and and let him hit, you know. in today's game, I don't know if it matters. Adam Duvall was playing center field in the World Series, so like I don't think it, I don't think any of it matters. So like I'm happy to get the Martian here this late in the draft. I think you, uh, I think you bought that baseball card for four hundred seventy-four thousand dollars, and you're trying to in, inflate the value of it. <laughs> yes, me taking him in this draft you. inflates the value of that card. 
Jim, I know you want to talk about that. Yeah, it's well. I mean, <laughs> all these things with no basis and real value, but that's fine. That's uh, that's fine. Um, all right, here, here so we I'm go, Jim. Twice, back, right? Yeah, back to back picks. Last pick of the sixth round, first of the seventh. Yeah, I, I was I was torn on on outfielders. There's like <laughs> there were like four guys for two spots, and so Jonathan helped me out by taking one of them. So I'm I'm just gonna take the next outfielder on the list. I think when all is said and done, outfield is probably gonna be the weakest spot on my team. Um, but so be it. Um, I'm gonna take Luis Matos of the Giants. Um, I, I know Sam likes him. I thought Sam might have taken him when he was talking outfielders. A, a, or I thought he might go with one of his last couple of picks. But I'll take Luis Matos. You know, same international class as, as Marco Luciano uh, with the Giants. And this guy has just hit everywhere he's gone. He had a great pro debut. He was MVP of the low A West uh, when he made his jump to full season ball last year. Tremendous bat to ball skills, um, advanced pitch recognition, advanced strike zone discipline. He's getting stronger. I think he's going to have average power as well. Um, he, you know, solid runner, can steal base. He's got a knack for stealing bases. He's got a chance to play in center field. Um, so I, I really like this guy. You know, we, we talked about him as a potential guy who could sneak into the top 10 picks overall going into next year. Um, so I will take uh, Luis Matos with my first pick. And now I think I'm essentially. Your draft is done. Yeah, it's, it's right? well, and I essentially I've, I'm taking players at positions that nobody else could take a player at. So I will, I will, I will go here with this pick. Um, I will take. I, I'm going to take a draft guy. I, I really thought I had a good chance at Tamar and I didn't get him. I would have considered Drew Jones very highly. Um, obviously didn't get a chance at him. I'm going to take Jacob Berry, who I think is the best college player in this draft. He might be the best all around offensive player in this draft. He's a switch hitter. He hits for average. He's got a ton of power. He recognizes pitches well. He controls the strike zone. He's kind of a – this may not have the same luster given that Andrew Vaughn had a, didn't have a great rookie year, but he's, I've heard switch hitting versions of Andrew Vaughn. Um, can he stay at third? Maybe. He might wind up in right field, might wind up at first base, but this guy can really, really, really hit. So I will take the best college bat, all-around offensive college performer in the 2022 draft – and stick Jacob Berry at third base on my team. All right. Jonathan, you are up with your seventh-round pick. Yeah, I like that pick, Jim. Honestly, if I hadn't taken Walker when I did, Berry was who I was thinking I would probably end up as my third baseman if someone else didn't get him. So I I think that makes sense given given the other options. All right, I think I'm going to wait on my pitching here. And I'm going to fill in my outfield. I was, you know, concerned that Veen and Dominguez are really both corner outfielders when all is said and done. So I'm going to nab Michael Harris as my third outfielder from from the Braves. Um, you know, the Braves took a, a bunch of people by surprise. Uh, you know, when when they took him, a lot of people liked him as a pitcher. Uh, he wanted to hit. They put him in the outfield. Uh, he's a plus defender in center field. He obviously has the, the plus arm that worked off of the mound and a better feel for hitting than I think people expected. Uh, and, you know, this is a guy who went from sort of interesting, hit his way to full season ball in his pro debut, kept it going last year uh, for his for his first full season. And he's surpassed 
uh, some of the other talented outfielders in the Braves system who have gotten a lot of attention, including from us, you know, Christian Pache and Drew Waters. Uh, and uh, But Harris has kind of passed them by, both uh, largely because of his approach at the plate, the field to hit, and the plus defense that the other two offer. So I'm very happy with my, my outfield now. All right. So Jonathan's outfield is set. Jim's outfield is set. Sam still needs an outfielder. Uh, Jonathan and Sam have yet to draft a pitcher. Uh, Sam also in need of a first baseman and a second baseman. And Jonathan needs a first baseman as well. And Sam is on the clock. We have Sam back-to-back picks followed by Jonathan to fill some of those holes. Sam, your seventh-round pick. Yeah, so for my seventh-round pick, I I realize this might be bucking strategy a little bit just because, like you said, uh, Jason, like the there are no other outfield spots left, um, but I don't want to leave this guy hanging for too long. And I'm going back to the draft. I'm looking at what my how my outfield kind of lines up before. I know I kind of joked before about having a uh, a two outfield setup, but I am going to find a guy that I can put into third here, and I'm going to go into the draft, and I'm going to take Elijah Green. Uh, Elijah Green could be a center fielder. He is a plus-plus runner right now. He's got a plus arm. His field grade grades out at, at 60. Um, but I think putting him in right, putting Drew Jones in center and Corbin Carroll left, uh, balls aren't going to land in the outfield, no matter who I pick for a pitcher, who I'll do next. But uh, I know there are some questions about the hit tool. Jim and I talked this talked about this last time I was on this podcast, and I thought Green is a 1-1 candidate. The hit tool might talk him out of that. But the, the ceiling is – about as high as anybody in this draft right now. If he can hit a little bit this spring at the IMG Academy, he's going to thrust himself into that 1-1 conversation even more so. Um, So I'll make him the final outfielder here, stick him in right field, uh, really like how my outfield is shook out there. And then I'm going to go to the pitching well uh, myself in the Cleveland Guardians organization. And uh, I'm going to go with Daniel Espino, um, another guy I'm, I'm pretty high on going into this year. Had a little bit of a breakout year last year. I I know, again, he's a first-round pick in 2019, so he was on everybody's radar. Uh, The fastball is plus-plus. The control has come along better than I think a lot of people were expecting. The sliders are really premium off-speed pitch. The curveball is a good breaker as well. Uh, Struck out 152 batters in 91 and two-thirds innings last year. I think if he pitches 110, 120 innings this year and puts up anything close to those strikeout numbers at that rate, um, he will – be in the conversation for top pitching prospect in the game. So uh, Espino is my right-handed pitching selection. All right. And we're back to you, Jonathan, your eighth round pick uh, with uh, what both pitchers still to be filled for you and a first base spot, uh, same as Sam there. Right. And I think even though I could just wait to take my right-handed pitcher, I'm really kind of hoping that Sam helps dictate like who I take as my first baseman or left-hander based on who he takes. Um, it's very passive, aggressive of me. Um, so I'm going to take uh, the right-hander that I, that I think I, I had an eye on uh, for, for a while. Uh, kind of have a choice to me of two teenagers and I'm going to take Yuri Perez of uh, the Marlins, who is now a gargantuan six foot eight. Uh, you know, he's got a, a fastball that tops out at 98. He's getting bigger and stronger. Uh, there's 
more velo to come. I think he's going to be in triple digits when all is said and done. There's a ton of movement. It's electric stuff. He's got a really, really good changeup and a, and a curveball. He can throw all of them for strikes. You know, hit full season ball last year. Kind of, I don't say it came out of nowhere, but uh, you know, certainly jumped more firmly on the prospect map. And uh, you know, the the Marlins have a, a fair amount of really good pitching prospects, and there are those who think that Yuri Perez is the best of all of them. All right. All three right-handed pitchers uh, squared away now. And, Jim, I know your pick is uh, – you've got your picks already on the board here, your final two picks in advance. Yeah, I'm going to take – I mean, I, I, I went with the positional – value strategy here so two of my best players are going to want to be my last two picks here i will take in fact i i think outside of jack lighter they'll be my two highest ranked prospects but um i'll take diego cartaya a catcher um you know i really like alvarez i really like henry davis i think cartaya is right there with him he's part of this super deep catching class he was our top rated amateur by jesse sanchez in the 2018 international class made his uh uh, full season debut last year, put up a, a thousand plus ops in 31 games before he had a hamstring injury and some back issues. Um, a lot of comparisons to Salvador Perez, but he's a more advanced hitter than Perez was at the same stage of their careers. I think he's going to hit for average with a ton of power. Um, the Dodgers have been working with him to pull the ball with more authority and, he, and he's already making that adjustment. Um, and he's, he's big and physical and agile behind the plate. I think we're looking at at least a solid receiver with a plus arm when he's polished up, he's got a high baseball IQ. So I think Diego Cartaya has a, has a huge ceiling. And again, when we do these, these three man drafts and you have to draft positions, uh, you know, he's obviously a steal in the ninth round just because of the way the, the, the draft dictated it. Yeah, again, you know, because of the way that the draft works, we're sitting here uh, deep into the draft, into the going into the ninth round, and three of the six highest ranked available players uh, still on the board, and that uh, is because of you know position. Uh, all all three shortstops and Luciano Mare and and Lawler. All right, Sam, you are up. For me here, uh, I've got, let's see, what do I have left? I have first base, second base, and left-handed pitching. Um, I'm going to go left-handed pitching just because I want to shore up the middle here first uh, and because there is an open spot here left. I don't know if Jonathan was going to take this guy, um, but I know he is a fan of him after talking about it this offseason. I'm going to go Brandon Williamson. Uh, out of the Seattle Mariners organization. The 2019 second-round pick uh, had a really strong first full year this year, 3.39 ERA, 153 strikeouts and 98 in the third innings uh, with a 1.18 whip. He's huge at six foot six. He's got a good package of pitches. His fastball, curveball, slider, changeup, all grayed out at average to plus uh, fastball and curveball especially uh, can be very promising. The Mariners right now, have one of the best systems in baseball. That's not a surprise. But uh, when you talk about their pitchers, you talk about Emerson Hancock, you talk about George Kirby, you talk about Matt Brash, another kind of breakout guy from last year. Williamson's, he's not necessarily at Kirby's level, but he's right in that mix there uh, with uh, Hancock and Brash. 
for who could be the second best pitching prospect in that system. Um, the fact that he's left-handed certainly helps my case here. Uh, wouldn't be totally surprised if we actually see him in Seattle at some point this year. He did finish the year at Arkansas with 13 starts, but we have him at a 2023 uh, ETA, and I'll gladly take him. All right, Jonathan, you have a first base spot and left-handed pitching spot to fill here, your ninth-round pick. Yeah, and like I said, I was hoping Sam would help me make my decisions here, and Williamson was definitely on my list, but this makes it uh, <clears throat> a little bit easier. So I'm gonna I'm gonna fill out my pitching staff uh, and uh, take Blake Walston, the Diamondbacks, um, another big lefty, six foot five, and he has a chance to have three plus pitches when all is said and done. Uh, you know, the fastball that touches the mid 90s. I think there's probably more in the tank there. Uh, he's still super young. He's only 20, so he's going to fill out more. I think there's more consistent velo to come. His curve is already plus uh, a ton of spin and depth. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he also throws a, a decent slider and his changeup is above average. Um, and I think that that changeup might come some more. Uh, that there's good movement to it. Uh, so we're, we're looking at a guy with a legitimate four-pitch mix. He throws strikes, uh, repeats his delivery well. Ton of upside here. All right. So Jonathan, giving Sam his choice of uh, first baseman here as both need a first baseman. And uh, the left-handed pitching spots were full. Jonathan could have waited there. So let's let's see. Let's see if it bites him here, Sam. Yeah, I, there are two first basemen I have here, and neither of them is on the level of Dustin Harris. I should make that clear here straight from the off. Um, I'm going to go back and forth, but I'm, I'm going to go with Lawrence Butler of the Oakland Athletic System. Um, Lawrence Butler, 2018 sixth-round pick. He's kind of that rare mix of above-average power and above-average speed. You don't see that at a first baseman very often. They are playing him more in the outfield, um, but he does have first base eligibility for this draft um, coming off last year. I know 2019 wasn't a very good for, year for him in, in Vermont, but he slugged above 500. He was right around that mark, both at low A and high A. So this isn't just an old Cal league thing where he was performing well in, in hitters parks. He, he carried that with him uh, to high A Lansing. He had a 340 average there. It was a small sample of 14 games, but again, 19 homers, 29 stolen bases, one homer shy of being on that 2020 list that we publish every year, um, which is kind of crazy to say for a first base prospect. Uh, he gives me a little bit of versatility if, if we move him in the outfield. I don't necessarily think he's going to be a great glove at first, but again, I, I have great gloves all over the park in other places. So Lawrence Butler, uh, I'll slot him in at, at first base. Hopefully we can take advantage of that power and speed for him. And then second base, we're going to stay in the AL West. Uh, and I only take him second because he was second of mine when I was going through this. He is the better prospect for sure. It's Ezekiel Duran, who I think every one of us who saw him in the fall league last year was really intrigued. Former Yankees prospect got traded to the Rangers in the middle of the season. Uh, Rangers were trying to figure out who he is. Um, but somebody, again, with, with positional versatility, showed a little bit more of a of a power bat than necessarily we were expecting, but another potential above average power, above average speed guy uh, had 19 homers, 19 stolen bases. So again, right on the cusp of that 2020 list. Um, I think the hit tool, there is more to come there. He is batting around 257, but I think that can improve 
Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the Rangers do with him. They just signed two pretty good middle infielders this offseason who should be there for a very long time, but uh, they'll find a spot for Ezekiel Duran because he's entered himself into the top 100 uh, prospect discussion in a way that he wasn't really uh, during his time with the Yankees. All right. We have two picks remaining, Jonathan and Jim. Jonathan, your final pick. Can I take Brett Beatty at first? Sure, go for it. (laughs) I mean, this is why I was kind of like, I'm letting Sam decide because, you know, I think there's just, um, you know, the the drop-off is is considerable. Um, I'm going to take a guy who I really liked from the from the draft from last year's draft uh and that's kyle manzardo now with the rays and uh you know college performer uh from washington state he went in the second round um you know always has hit you know his, his last year at washington state he had an ops over a thousand and then in a very brief debut and granted it was in you know in the florida complex league uh he he had you know he slugged 605 and hit 349 advanced approach at the plate and really what kind of stuck in my mind with him is that uh i had an, a, a scout from a, another team talking about how much they 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 really liked him and thought that he was kind of a, a sleeper guy to keep an eye on just because the bat is so advanced and uh and, and there's going to be a good amount of power uh, as well from the left side of the plate. All right. And Jim, the final pick of this draft is going to be not only the highest ranked player on your team, but the highest ranked player taken in the draft at all. Huh. And it's funny because I'm torn between the two guys. Like not only do I get Mr. Irrelevant, I get to, I get to snub like a talented player also. Um, I'm going to take – it's funny. They're both teams I cover. I've talked forever about both these guys on the podcast with Marco Luciano of the Giants and Marcelo Meyer of the Red Sox. And I think Marco Luciano probably has the most power potential of any middle infielder in the minors and incredible bat speed. But I keep getting hung up on the fact that when we were working on the draft last year, scouts told us consensus when we were working on the best tool story that Marcelo Meyer was the best hitter in the draft and the best defender in the draft, which is a pretty good combination at a premium position. I mean, you know, the only knock is that he doesn't run a little bit better, but I mean, this guy's going to hit for average. I think he's going to have 20 to 25 home run power. And I think he's going to play a quality shortstop. The absolute worst case to me is if he loses a half step, maybe he goes to third base, but I think he'd profile really well there too. So I will take Marcelo Meyer with with apologies to Marco Luciano. All right. So (laughs) that does it. And the, the highest ranked player available does not go in a 30 pick draft. Uh, and I Although guess we, that... we, I think we're all operating secretly, Jason. Well, not secretly. We all know what they are. Like the in progress 2022 list. So some of the picks in this draft may reflect that list more than the end of season 2021 list. Right, right. Also, the uh, two of the top 
three ranked right-handed pitchers uh, not taken in this draft, and Jackson Job and Quinn Priester were the two highest-ranked right-handed pitchers available after Jack Leiter. All right, so we will uh, post these teams in a story, uh, and we'll put them out there. We'd definitely like to hear uh, from all of you about which uh, of our experts got the best team. Uh, we'll be doing that over the course of the next 24 hours. We'll put that into a story for you, and you can weigh in and see whose team you like the best. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, answer a question from the mailbag. That's coming up right after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Jason Ratliff, Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo, Sam Dykstra, and we're going to wrap up here by answering a question from the mailbag. This question comes from the Ulysses Sect. That's at Ulysses Sect 82 on Twitter, who asks, do you think Mick Abel will slash can make it to double A this season? And uh, in deciding which question we were going to answer in the mailbag, uh, we discovered that there's a bit of dissent between uh, Jonathan and Jim anyway, and Samuel will get a chance to weigh in here as, as well as you'd like. But uh, let's see. Jonathan, how about you go first? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the big dissent is really the, the the slash question, right? Will he? You know, I don't know. Can he? Absolutely. I think he, he can. Uh, I, I don't – I know his, his, his 2021 – was was rough you know he was taken 15th overall in 2020 the the first two years in a row the phillies taken a big high school right-hander number one overall he's six foot five he's got four pitches that when he's right he can he can throw for strikes uh he had a, a shoulder issue that was very minor they were very much erring on the side of caution after the shutdown year he didn't pitch uh in 2020 at all because uh, his high school season got pretty much shut down. So, uh, you know, the, the taking him was based mostly on uh, on what they saw in the, in the summer showcase circuit where he was very, very good. Um, he's going to throw harder than he already does. <clears throat> you know, mid-90s, he can reach back for more. Uh, really good slider, spins a curve and throws it for strikes. Uh, now, he didn't get in a groove, and I think that, that you know, that affected his – his command. Um, I think he's going to make adjustments and he's going to start throwing strikes. So to answer this question specifically, I think he has and will show enough, uh, you know, between the fall and, uh, and then spring training to move up to high a, uh, and then, you know, if he pitches as he is capable and I think he will, I certainly could see him reaching double a before the end of the 2022 season. J. 
Jim, your counterpoint. Okay, sorry, I wasn't sure if I was getting prompted there or what. No, it's, I mean, I, I, I agree for the most part with Jonathan. I mean, can he? He certainly can, because he was the best high school pitcher in that draft. Loved Mick Abel in the draft. I, I just thought that while it, he, it's possible, I was like, let's pump the brakes a little bit and let Mick Abel, you know, show he can stay healthy for an extended period of time. You know, I understand it was more of a precaution. It's not like he had shoulder surgery. Let's show that he can harness his stuff, which is picked up since the draft on a consistent basis. So I think he can. I, I guess I am more pessimistic that he necessarily will. Another thing to remember too, is Mick Abel threw 45 innings last year. So how many innings do you want him to throw in 2022? Um, I'm not necessarily sure he's going to throw 125 innings next year. So uh, you know, if I had to bet against him getting a double A, I would say no. Do I think he could? Sure, he could. And and I do like the upside. Jim, you can't start your counterpoint with I agree with Jonathan. I here I Well, here I agree I with him this, I trump I know. this up as Throw much dissent in the That's ranks. preposterous, Mayo. Something like that. <laughs> I, I, I I agree. I, I agree with the with the can. I, I just and I my disagreement more was I just thought the question was a bit much. Nothing against Ulysses sect. Um, but I just thought like let's let's let the guy have a nice stretch of of throwing strikes and staying healthy before we put him in double A. Sam, do you uh do you land in approximately the same area as Jim and Jonathan here? Yeah, I mean my my response is just gonna be the Lloyd Christmas response of so you're saying there's a chance. I mean that's there is a chance, yes. it's probably closer to 10%, it might not even be in the double digits um, just because of all those concerns Jim was laying out. But uh, he is a top 100 prospect. He is a, a very good right-handed pitching prospect for a reason. All, all those pitches are there. And when he's on, he could very well surge uh, quicker. Now, one thing that we don't really know is is how is this new Phillies player development regime going to handle prospects? I think that's going to be fascinating to watch. It's not the same group that's going to be discussing all this stuff. So how do they view Mick Abel? How do they want to handle him? How are they going to see him if he is successful? Are they going to decide, well, we just want you getting that foundation of success after you didn't really have it in 2021? Or are they going to say, no, we want you challenged because we do believe in you and we do think you're one of our better prospects. And, uh, you know, We want iron sharpening iron. So I think that's going to be one fascinating aspect of this to watch. Um, but... You know, as a guy who had a ball experience last year, he's probably going to see high A this year. Uh, it's certainly possible to, for him to get one or two starts with Reading come September. All right, and that is going to do it. Don't forget to check back on uh, at MOB Pipeline on Twitter and MOB.com slash Pipeline. We will be posting the results of today's draft. Thanks to Ulysses Sect for that question. Thanks to everybody for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the MLB Pipeline podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. 
Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.